Welcome to IAQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have changed. Good day wherever you're listening from and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio for Friday, November 7th, 2008. This week, episode 102 comes to you from Studio B in beautiful Coriopolis, Pennsylvania. My name is Joe Hughes or Radio Joe and here with me in the studio is the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick. Always a pleasure, Joe. Good day, Cliff. And at the controls, we got the wingman, Chris Boisel. Good afternoon. Day, Chris. We don't have our technical director with us here this week, but we're going to uh, bring him in next week long and strong. Huh? There it is. All right. Today's segments include the microband trivia question. We'll then have Steve Toburin, John Don's director of training. We're going to talk about some strategies for success and healing the loss. At halftime, we're going to go to a little segment with Bill Yaden, a spokesperson from John Don, and maybe have a little news break. We'll go back to Steve, and then at the end of the show, we'll have our usual roundup where everybody comes back together and we ask some final questions. We've been working on that iaqradio.com website. Check it out. There's a blog every week after the show, and uh, we've changed the invitations from the old talk shoe version to our own new invitations. Hopefully, people like those. We're getting some good comments back. Before we start, let's thank our sponsors. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years at legends-enviro.com. Microband Systems, the microbial management company at microbandsystems.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IEQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. Dry Ease Products, providing equipment for drying water-damaged homes and buildings. Dry Ease is first in drying solutions at dri-eaz.com. And John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at jondon.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their products and services. All right, looks like we're getting a good lineup on, of uh, guests and uh, listeners on the show today. To contact the show, you just go 724-444-7444. Our show ID is 1547. Press 1, and you can join the, phone, uh, join the show by phone. You can also download the show, which most people do uh, at any time following the show, from our website at iaqradio.com. Just follow the link that says go to the show. And you can also get our show from iTunes if you know how to work that uh, newfangled stuff, Cliff. Simple, I'm, man. I'm not too good at it. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. Let me turn it back over to Cliff for the microband trivia question. Thanks, Trump. 
sorry to report, no correct answers for last week's trivia question. The microband trivia question for Friday, November 7th, 2008, because our guest is with Strategies for Success, uh, today's question really deals with great strategies, and in this case, a military strategy. We want you to name the country, the city, the street, and the address in which Operation Overlord, World War II Invasion of Normandy, was planned. Interesting. Uh, and to answer the question, we uh, go... Right. You just go to iaqradio.com, trivia link, follow directions to submit your answer. Okay. So we have one outstanding from last week, and now we've got one from this week. There you go. Get those prizes. All right. Today we have Steve Toburin. Steve started his first janitorial business in 1969 at the tender age of 16. Then he and his new wife moved to Durango, Colorado in 1975 and started a cleaning and restoration company. After 16 years, they were grossing well over a million dollars in today's dollars. These numbers are even more remarkable since their total market base was only 30,000 people. In 1991, Steve sold his business and went into full-time volunteer service in the Dominican Republic. He took his business experience and created three different audio training courses for the residential service businesses, including one we will focus on today called Healing the Loss, which is designed just for restoration companies. Steve also developed the John Don's Strategy Strategies for Success Seminar and has served as its director of training for the last 13 years. In 2009, Steve, Bill Yaden, one of our other guests today, and Chuck Fioland, along with the never-boring Nick Paololo, I'll get that right, Cliff, will present strategies for success eight times at various John Don locations around the country. There are well over 2,000 Strategy for Success members at this point in time. I think we have some intro music for Steve. Come success. Welcome, Steve. Welcome to IAQ Radio. Hello, Steve. Hello, Joe. All right. Welcome to IAQ Radio. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you for having me. All right. I'm going to let uh, Cliff get started here with the questions. Thanks, Joe. Well, Steve, uh, first of all, there are numerous, probably hundreds of technical training courses available in cleaning and restoration. Why are there a few business-related courses, and even fewer successful ones? Well, Cliff, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's politically correct, but uh, let's be honest, in our industry, it's mostly men who start businesses. And, um, you know, as a man, frankly, I'm more comfortable with things, with uh, uh, what I call big boys' toys, scrub ones and truck mounts, and taking out cat pee and dealing with uh, technical issues and, um, you know, speaking of technical issues, usually it's a technician who winds up starting a company because he sees this supposed big money that his boss is making. So he's going to start from a technical standpoint. The sad thing, Cliff, is 
most people, or not most, but many people in this industry, they never move beyond the technician eyeglasses and move into uh, the success management type thing. And um, it's an uphill battle. And I think that's why you see most people are just more comfortable with technical things. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, um, do the methods that you advocate in the strategies for success, are these methods that you used in your own business? Sure. Absolutely. Even though I have to be honest with you, not at the first. I started my business just like everybody else. Uh, uh, very frankly, I started my business as a means to an end. Um, I just wanted to pay the rent. I wanted to put gas in the car. I wanted to buy groceries. And most importantly, I wanted to buy a season ski pass to Purgatory Ski Area. Mm -hmm. uh, that, was, uh, that was high on the priority list back in 1975. Uh, but, yes, over the years, we changed a lot because I saw myself growing old on a scrub wand. And I knew they're just, you know, it was very frustrating because it's a fantastic business, and I knew there had to be a better way. And so I did a lot of work, did a lot of research, uh, tried to look at things outside the box. But then even better, you know, what you guys asked is the stuff I did. But now we've been running strategies for uh, 13 years. We've got over 2,000 members. I'm in daily contact with them. So what I also do, I'm getting their input. I'm getting their ideas. We're testing all this stuff. It does work. I used it and they're using it too. So it does work, and it works everywhere everywhere in the world. Well, I guess, did you come up with this idea, or did a team come up with this idea or realization that this people side of the business, the war, you know, the, the feely-touchy side, was so important? Well, you know, I'm not going to say I came up with it. Uh, I probably, as much as anybody in the industry, took concepts from other businesses and adapted them and modified to fit the cleaning and restoration business. I will take that credit. Um, back in the early 1980s, I became aware of a body of literature on customer service. Um, some incredible books out there. One of them was a guy by a guy named Ron Zemke, Z-E-M-K-E, -E, called Service America, uh, that just had a transformational impact on how I viewed my business. Uh, so, no, I can't claim to have uh, created or invented these concepts. I do think I and a, a few others on our strategies team, we have adapted them to fit our industry. Well, let's get into the programs. From your Winning on the Home Front program, all our listeners perform the same services. How can they differentiate their company from their competition? Well, that's a good question, and probably the very best way to approach it, Cliff, would be uh, start viewing your business, like we say in strategies, instead of looking at it through your eyes, which are essentially eyes that are focused on the technical side, and also very honestly through your employee's eyes, because the typical employee is going to look at things like, well, what's best for them? What's the easiest, fastest way to get the job done and get out of Dodge? Well, instead, You've got to twist it around and look through the customer's eyeglasses. Look at their emotions, examine how they feel, examine what sort of moments of truth you can give them so that they start increasing or uh, improving their relationship with you 
and then they feel better about not just the work you're doing, but about you or your employees as individuals. And that's really probably the number one thing that's going to set you apart. Um, I call it in my magazine articles, emotional dynamics. Uh, just, you're absolutely right. You know, everybody's doing essentially the same work and the work is not really rocket science. Uh, it's good work, it's technical work, it's challenging work, but chances are your competitor can or at least should do the same quality of work that you do. But where you can set yourself apart is when you base your business on the emotions of your customers. Steve, I'm, how do I do that? If I've, you know, I've got this mindset of looking at it from the owner's point of view, can you give us a tip on how we put ourselves in the shoes of the customer and, and get a feel for what they want and need from our service company? First, Joe, put on a dress. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Yaden's job. Okay. Uh, and it's his job at strategy. Okay. But, uh, no, seriously, that's a good question, and it gets back to something we call value-added service. And, again, I didn't invent this. Uh, I came up with the name. We kind of modified it to fit the industry. And lots of good people have been running their business this way and not even know they were doing it. But simply put, it just means managing, your, uh, managing the experience of your customer as they move through your company. In other words, focusing on instead of how to get the job done, even though that's important, but now you're focusing on the experience that you're giving your customer. Um, we used to play a video in strategies, and then we ran out of time, but it was a wonderful video uh, by a plumbing company. I even forget the name of the company. But there the owner looked right into the camera, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, you know, your customers are only going to pay you for two things. First is a solution to their problem, and the second is good feelings. Now, you know, the simple fact of the matter is, you know, we as technical type people, we tend to focus just on the solution to the problem at hand, uh, the mold remediation, the water damage, the dirty carpet. Now, that's still got to be done. But if we can introduce consistently good feelings into the mix too, well, then you've got a really uh, winning company. And that's probably, that's the best definition I can give you of value-added service, which is managing the experience of the customer to provide a consistently high level of perceived service. And when I say perceived, I'm talking about the perceptions and the opinions of the customer. Steve, that kind of leads me to a question. I've always, I have a personal opinion on this and I'm just curious what you tell people in your seminars with respect to answering the phones when someone calls that first call to your office uh, what are your thoughts about recorded messages versus having a live person answering the phone oh we hate them we absolutely hate them um, and I'll tell you why because you know most of our listeners here even you know, that by the standards of the industry have a large company, uh, you're not American Airlines, you're not IBM, you're a small company. Well, why not play to that strength? And that strength is having a personal relationship with your customer. So 
Uh, now, even John Dunn. Now, you know, John Dunn's a, a large company, and when you call in, you may get hit with just a very brief, you know, our call routing will have you hold for three, four, five seconds, and then, bang, you'll have a live person. And that's the way it should be. I, uh, I can't imagine, especially, and I know we're going to talk about this, this sort of, in the restoration business, the traumatized, beat-up, battered individuals that are calling our company, and then you're going to hit them with a recorded message and uh, an elaborate voicemail menu. Uh, I just don't think it flies well. I want to go back to skirts in general, short skirts in particular. Cheerleaders is what I want to zone in on. What is a customer cheerleader? What's that term mean? Well, you know, um, and I, I did come up with that term. And, uh, but again, it's something that instinctively every one of us in business should have been trying to make. And essentially a cheerleader is someone that takes word of mouth advertising to a new level. Um, in the past, if we, we thought we were doing a good job as business people, if we were able to, for example, maybe, uh, Cliff, you're at work and Joe comes up to you and says, Cliff, Oh, man, I've got water in my basement. Things flooded. Uh, you had that last year happen. Um, who should I call? And if you remember who you used, when you may not, uh, you'll say, oh, I'll call this company. And so and then uh, uh, Joe says, well, what's the number? And you go, I don't know. They're in the yellow pages. And, of course, then you're exposing uh, Joe to every uh, one of the competition. Hmm. Now, on the flip side, if Cliff, if my company, John Don Restoration, little subliminal plug there. Mm -hmm. So John Don Restoration comes in and does uh, a water damage loss for you. Not only do you go and sing my praises to the adjuster, but you also go to work and you hand out my business cards and you say, wow, these people are incredible. And then you go to church and you give the business cards to everybody. And then you print up flyers and you put them under the windshield. Well, you don't do that. But <laughs> you guys get the idea. That's what a cheerleader is. It's someone that is so blown away by what they've received from you. Not only the solution to their problem, but the good feelings. They become an enthusiastic, uh, unpaid salesperson for your company. And... That's what value-added service focuses on making is customer cheerleaders. Now, does that mean that everybody you work for with value-added service will become a cheerleader? No, absolutely not. Uh, some people are just emotionally incapable of that. But even the people that don't become cheerleaders are going to be repeat clients, and uh, they'll still give you what I call passive referrals. But the unpaid salesperson idea of a cheerleader, someone who passionately goes out and promotes your business at no cost to you. That's an incredibly powerful concept, and I don't care in any industry. It works. Can you share a strategy with our listeners of how you would make customer cheerleaders? Sure. Uh, but, man, Cliff, you're, you're just you know, you've taken my whole seminar and you know <laughs> people to come. I hear but that's you, but all right. I, I... What the heck? What the heck? You know, we don't care. Uh, so it's real simple. Uh, cheerleaders are made. And this is uh, like a core concept of our strategies program. 
cheerleaders are made because you have dramatically exceeded their expectations. I'm not talking satisfied. A, a wishy-washy, satisfied customer will never be a cheerleader, ever. Instead, they are someone who is passionate because you have dramatically exceeded their expectations. Now, uh, let me anticipate your next question. How do you dramatically exceed their expectations? Am I right? Yep. Well, you can't do it by doing better technical work. Two reasons why. A, they don't know enough to even appreciate good technical work. They don't, you know, they're not experts in indoor air quality. They're not experts in mold remediation. So they're not going to judge you and their expectations being dramatically exceeded based on what type of equipment you bring in or what sort of chemicals you use. Sorry, Cliff, I know that's a sore subject. It is. <laughs> uh, I, I apologize. But it, it's, I mean, and incidentally, folks, always buy the best product, and we know who has the best product, right. but that's not how people become cheerleaders. People become cheerleaders and take this one to the bank. 80% of how the customer decides whether you did a great job and they're going to be a cheerleader, or you did a job and they're going to trash you to the adjuster, is based on how they feel about the person doing the work, which may not be you. Uh, for many of our listeners that have a bigger company, they're putting the entire future of their company in terms of whether the customer becomes a cheerleader or not in the hands of a 23-year-old technician. And I don't know about everybody else, but, you know, we train people, we, we show people in our seminar how even a residential cleaning job, a cheerleader is very quickly going to be worth $35,840 in referrals, much more so with the numbers you folks work with. Now, I'm a little nervous about putting a $35,000 bet in the hands of a 23-year-old technician. And yet that's what we do in this industry every day. You know, with so many poor examples of good service, like our, our employees have vehicles, they get them serviced, they don't get a really good experience, they go to the mall, they can't get waited on. How do you orientate your service staff into providing this value-added customer service when they just don't see very many examples of it in daily life? Yeah, good question. Uh, and it's, it's probably the single biggest problem in our industry if you want to move beyond the owner-operator stage. Because very frankly, if someone is an owner-operator, simple fear and desperation for their financial future should motivate them to make cheerleaders. I mean, you know, if you can't make cheerleaders and give great service as, and you're the guy on the truck, you better go to work for General Motors on the night shift or something because uh, you don't belong in this business. The problem is, and you hit the nail on the head, Cliff, how do you clone yourself and have this same sense of urgency in terms of building a relationship with the customer? And it's especially difficult because... Typically, your average homeowner and your average technician have virtually nothing in common. And we do it two ways. First thing we do is by discussing with our technicians exactly what we're talking right now. In other words, giving them the big picture. 
and that's why actually we have the little brother of the strategies program. It's another one-day seminar we do for the technicians, the employees in the company, called Value Added Service for Technicians. But after we've given them concepts, we move into another core concept of the strategies program, and it's called making it easier to do it right than do it wrong. And when you think about it, that has almost a, a Zen-like simplicity. Mm-hmm. Make it easier to do it right than do it wrong. And the simple fact of the matter, right now, in most companies, it's much easier for a technician to do it wrong than do it right when it comes to building a relationship with the customer. So what we do, what we teach, and what we give you in the strategies program is a step-by-step, literally minute-by-minute script to train your technicians in, a simple script that lets them focus on how to build a relationship. What we do, we focus instead of how to do the work, we focus on how to deliver the great work you've always done. Because the fact of the matter, Cliff, is most companies do a decent job technically. Mm-hmm. But where they fail is in the emotional dynamics of working with the homeowner and especially a homeowner in a restoration-type situation where they had a devastated home and the individuals emotionally are bleeding, they're battered, they're traumatized, and they're abused. And the typical technician doesn't have a clue on how to deal with this individual because, frankly, the owner doesn't either. That's interesting. I I was at a uh, seminar with a a friend of mine, and and it's a large – they're a large – mechanical systems cleaning, duct cleaning company. And uh, one of their pride, one of the things they pride themselves on is having their employees tell on themselves. So in, in essence, if, if, they're, if they see that they're doing something wrong, they're to tell on themselves and they encourage that. I don't know if that kind of is a tip that you would encourage or does it fit close to another one of the types of tips you're looking at? Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, uh, because one of the things you, you have to remember, again, we're talking good feelings, we're talking emotional dynamics here, Joe, but i got to tell you something. Um, it's we, Another thing we focus on in the strategies program is something we call business infrastructure. Because if you don't build an infrastructure to support emotional dynamics, it's all just a lot of pretty words. Uh, there's no meat. So you've got to have the meat. One of the meat things we suggest, we give a complete scripted uh, company staff meeting to our members once a week. Part of that staff meeting is a group confessional where everybody gets up and they go over every single comment card, every single quality check call they've received. And the, the winners, the cheerleader makers, they get applauded, they get rewarded. And then the ones that come back and, well, gosh, you know, they're unhappy. Well, what we recommend is, okay, you, uh, you bring it up, but you don't mention the employee involved by name. And we found that about 90% of our employees in my company, after you bring up the problem, the callback, the employee himself would raise his hand and say, you know, that was me, and here's what I think I did wrong 
in the service system so we didn't make a cheerleader. And it's a very powerful thing. It's got to be a team, a team effort. That's interesting. I'm glad to hear that you feel the same way. Now, the, the next thing we have is a creating positive moments of truth from the beginning of the project to the end. What, what does that mean? Well, okay, just to take us back. So far we've talked about, you know, the need to make a cheerleader. The way we make a cheerleader is by dramatically exceeding their expectations. But again, still, that's kind of loose and goosey, and, you know, what's that mean? Uh, again, you know, it's strategies and myself – I'm a brass tacks person. You know, let's get this baby down to, uh, let's get this baby down to earth. And so what we want to focus on now is moments of truth. And that's how we dramatically exceed expectations and how we make it easier to do it right than do it wrong. Because a moment of truth is just any time the customer has a contact with the company and they usually subconsciously form an opinion. So uh, typically on a, on a typical remediation job, my guess is there would be hundreds of moments of truth, every way from how the phone is answered, which you brought up earlier, uh, to how the initial inspection, uh, uh, whether the initial inspector puts on booties or takes off his shoes. In other words, each one of those is a moment of truth. And so what we want to do is identify moments of truth put them in sequence, and then analyze how can we change our procedure to consistently create a positive moment of truth. Because moments of truth are what we call cumulative. And the more moments of truth you have banked away in the mental checking account of the customer, the more likely they're going to um, leave or finish the job, and they're going to become a cheerleader. So... You know, the problem is everybody has moments of truth right now. I mean, all of your listeners today, uh, most of them already have moments of truth happening in their company right now. The problem is they have no control over them. They haven't focused on them. They haven't programmed them. They haven't checked on them. And so essentially the company is running on what I call management by chaos when it comes to the emotional dynamics of the situation. There's no control of it. Yeah, business complaints are inevitable. What would you do when you have an irate customer on the phone? Well, you know, first of all, Cliff, this is your house. And, you know, you, you stated that complaints are inevitable. Uh, between you and me, I would say yes. However, from a company philosophy standpoint, in our company, we took a zero-tolerance approach to complaints. That's the first thing I would say. Uh, well, they, were just, they were just unacceptable because we felt like if our employee was using value-added service and building a relationship with the customer, even if there is some sort of technical screw-up, most of the time the customer is just going to blow it off. Uh, how many of you have honestly called a customer and you've said, uh, well, Mrs. Jones, which incidentally we recommend doing a quality check, well, Mrs. Jones, I wanted to see how the job went yesterday. And she'll go, well, uh, it was okay, I guess. Well, you know, you can either hang the phone up real quick, you know, or you can say, now, 
you know, Mrs. John, I need you to tell me the truth. What, what's going on? And then she'll say back to you, okay, Cliff, uh, but if I tell you, is it going to get Billy in trouble? And the reason why they'll do that is because they're cheerleaders for Billy. So we had a pretty tough approach toward it. But to go back to your original question, you know, how can they be beneficial? Absolutely they're beneficial. They're an incredible opportunity when they do happen. Two reasons. Uh, first of all, if you resolve a complaint quickly, and uh, we share in the program, and if any of your listeners want to uh, write me for a copy of it, I'll send, one, I'll send them a special report on it, a 10-step procedure, 10-step system to take a complaining customer and turn them into what I call a turbo cheerleader. Uh, we found uh, many of our most passionate, loyal, dedicated cheerleaders originally had complained. And if you jump on it fast and if you overwhelm them with service, they will become cheerleaders. Second reason why they're a unique opportunity, a complaint, is because that's when you go back into your systems and you start analyzing, where did our system break down? Why did this person become, why did they have a complaint? Where did it happen? Who dropped the ball? How can we change things to keep it from ever happening again? Yeah, I, I mean, I would huff and puff and get upset, but, you know, I never really minded a complaint one time. But Lord help the company and Lord help the employees when we kept getting the same complaint again and again and again, because there's no excuse for it. So, in other words, we're going we're gonna to take and put on our consultant hat. We're going to go in and we're going to say, what can we change in our systems so that this particular problem never, ever comes up again? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Excellent. At this point, uh, we're going to go to what we call the halftime, Steve, and we'll be right back with you. Great. That, by the way, is the acronym police, and right. Steve has done a great job of not using any acronyms. There it is. Excellent. Let's first thank our sponsors, Cliff. Okay. Uh, Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years at legends-enviro.com. Microband Systems, the microbial management company at microbandsystems.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IEQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. Dryease Products, providing equipment for drying water-damaged homes and buildings. Dryease is first in drying solutions at dri-eaz.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at jondon.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their products and or services. All right, let's see if we can bring Bill Yaden in to say hello. Hello, Bill. Bill? Hi, guys. Hey, good to have you on the line, Bill. What's new over at uh, John Don Central? Well, I'll tell you what, John Don's just been growing drastically, especially on the restoration side. I think, as you guys know, we're about a 30-year-old company this year. Started on the cleaning side of the business. And probably the first 20 to 25 years, we were stronger on the cleaning side. But the last five years, uh, we've gotten much stronger into the restoration and the abatement side of the, uh, the industry. 
even though it doesn't seem like we've had a lot of help from the hurricanes in Florida, we certainly did have that one hurricane that kind of moved out of Texas and came up to Chicagoland. After we shipped all of our equipment down to the south, we got it all back up to the north so we could use it. So it's been a, it's been a great year for us. That's great. Good, good. Any new, uh, new products or information we need to know about? Well, I think uh, Andy Robinson, our restoration manager, is continuing to bring out new products. And, of course, we usually bring them out to the shows, to the, uh, of course, I'm going to get the acronym police here, to the RIA shows, usually a big <laughs> one for that. Right. Uh, I, I knew that Steve hadn't said anything, so I wanted to give Cliff something to do while he sits <laughs> around there. Right, right, right. That's yeah, the connections we always have them, too. So it's been going great. And, and, I, and I, just to touch on what Steve's doing and what we're doing at Down Down is that you know, we sell all the same products that everybody else does, so we have to do something different. How we differentiate John Don is through programs like what Steve brought us, which is Strategies for Success, which really comes under our overall Partners for Success program. So we're always trying to do that, and I think we do that through mostly the people in the country, in the company itself, and that all stems from uh, Nick Palella himself and John Palella and pretty much the people they hire. So I think if you're dealing with John Don, you're dealing with people, and we'll always provide you with the breast best products in whichever area you're going to be in. You know, isn't it true that many of the people that attend Strategies for Success, actually it, it costs them nothing uh, to go to that class? How does that work? Well, actually, yeah, and that's kind of one concern because we lose a lot of money on every class. Someday we're going to have to cut Steve's pay here, too. <laughs> basically, anybody that spends five grand with us in a period of a year, and, you know, it's pretty easy to do when you're on the restoration side, uh, the class is totally free, and the, you know the class is five days long with you know breakfast, lunch, uh, Wednesday night we have a big dinner. We'll buy people drinks and, and dinner and and the breaks and everything else. So it is a very costly program. We have to bring in other instructors such as myself and Chuck B. Oland and of course Nick Palella flies to whatever uh, class we're going to have. As Steve said, we're going to have six of them outside of Chicago this year. And uh, he also brings along Angela, his daughter, who's kind of like the person who keeps Steve on track and, and also other people just to make sure that when we leave our home base of Chicago that everybody still gets that individualized attention, whether it's in Seattle or Tampa. They want to make sure that they're getting the same thing they get if they came to our main headquarters in Chicago. So, yeah, I would say 80% of the people that come to the class come for free. And does John Dunn have some sort of unique marketing program that's kind of new that you'd like to talk about? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, we've been working on that unique program for quite some time. And because it is unique, it's been taking us a little more time than we thought. It's called My Easy Marketing, and it'll be a direct mail program. The difference, I think, will be that it, it falls under that Partners for Success program, which means that we're, it will not be a profit center for us. It'll be almost like strategies in the fact that it's going to probably lose money. Uh, but we think that if we can help our customers, that's the whole idea is that when they're successful, we'll be successful. So it's called MyEasyMarketing.com. And once it's out, you'll probably see the Goodyear balloons up there above every city in the United States letting you know it's available. Well, great. Hey, thank you, Bill. We, we really uh, appreciate you joining us and, and keeping us uh, abreast of what's happening at John Don. And uh, we appreciate the sponsorship. And it's been a great show so far. So let's get back to Steve. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, guys. All right. Okay, Steve, let's get specific with some restoration industry issues. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the emotional dynamics that restores and remediators encounter 
on their projects? Well, you know, Cliff, I think most of your listeners probably uh, know them as well as I do or better. Um, one thing we've done in the strategies program is really drilled down and tried to quantify it because, once again, uh, the way you make cheerleaders is by working with people emotionally. And there's no question that when you're dealing in the restoration side, uh, that's a serious, serious issue. Nobody, uh, let's just let me go back for one second, nobody truly likes having service providers in their home. And I don't, I'm even talking a routine scheduled carpet cleaning. At best, a, even if you're a carpet cleaner, you are probably viewed as what we call a tolerated irritation. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to offend anybody here, but very few people look forward to having their carpets cleaned. Um, I always tell the class that one day, you know, I lo- used to love cleaning carpets. I mean, you know, mid-1970s, I was a 22-year-old punk. I was making 200 bucks a day with my little Castex machine. Life was good. And one day I told the lady, I said, man, Mrs. Jones, isn't this fun? And she looked around at her house soaking wet carpets, furniture stacked in the garage. She looked at, back at me and deadpan said, Steve, I'd rather go to the dentist than have my carpets cleaned. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, it, that was like with the dawn came the light. Mm-hmm. And I go, wow, people like me, but they don't like what I do. And so that's when I really started focusing, okay, so how can we make this painless? How can we, well, okay, let's get back on your restoration question. Now, the difference is I'm a tolerated irritation when I'm going to do a routine carpet cleaning, but at least I'm a planned for and invited tolerated irritation. Restoration, on the other hand, has been thrust on people. They are forced into it. And that brings up some pretty weird issues um, and on the part of the homeowner. And it, I'll, I'll make one point to you. Uh, a lot of times, and even in our previous operations manuals for strategies, we would refer to the restoration customer as the insured or the policyholder. We don't do that anymore. We now refer to them as the customer, the client, or the homeowner. And the reason why is we're trying to get out of the legalese. We're, we're trying to move more into a warmer relationship with them. Um, so part of that warmth is understanding the emotions that they're facing. And, you know, we always ask for people to come up with these in our class, but, you know, you're, you'd look at um, people are in shock. They're traumatized. They're confused. Uh, Lots of times they feel guilty because many times restoration issues have been brought about by something stupid the homeowner did. Uh, They're stressed out. Their privacy has been invaded. And all of this stuff many times leads into anger. And not just anger at the situation, anger at themselves, and anger at the insurance company. A lot of it leads into a syndrome we call in strategies hostility transference. And guess where that anger can wind up? On the contractor. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know, does that, does that make sense in terms of how the customer, what they're feeling in a restoration situation? 
Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and so, that, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was going to say. Now, how do you how do you go about diffusing that? I guess. You know, good question. And what I would say is, then you what you first thing we train people to do in strategies. First of all, analyze the emotions, and then you start saying, what positive moments of truth can we program in in our script which includes a phone script, an inspection script, and it's not just words, it's how we act, how we look, how our equipment looks, our procedures. What can we do here to constantly counteract these negative emotions? So then you start coming up with words like comfort, reassurance, hand-holding. Now those are all kind of fuzzy words, but you want to know another word that isn't fuzzy? Speed. Homeowners want this thing done fast. Uh, our guarantee on water losses is 24-7, we would have someone from the company there within one hour. And we aimed for half an hour. And that's 24 hours a day. Right. And uh, that's incredibly valuable. People want their home back, and they want it back fast. So those were the, you know, in fact, if I could share, I know we're running out of time. But a quick anecdote that I think might be of value to your uh, listeners uh, on this general idea of looking through the eyeglasses of the customer. We did a loss years ago. This was a friend of mine, uh, a customer of mine for many years, a middle-aged lady, and her husband cleaned out the wood stove one night and put the quote-unquote uh, cold ashes out on the deck by the living room. Well, she woke up at 3 in the morning, smelled smoke. Her entire south wall of her living room was on fire. Whole house was black. This was a gracious, elegant lady, school teacher. The adjuster, State Farm, sent me out there. I couldn't even get on her driveway. Walked up to the front door, and it looked like a giant auction inside. People, you know, it was real cold in the middle of the winter, People traipsing through this elegant home. You had adjusters and fire marshals and agents and contractors and neighbors and curious people just walking by. And I finally found her sitting in her bedroom on her bed, trembling. Found a blanket. I put it around her. Her name was Sarah. And I said, Sarah, how are you? And I'll never forget what she said to me. And if I could share one thing with your restoration people today, was her reply gave me an incredible set of customer eyeglasses and frankly made me so much money. She said, Steve, I feel like I've been raped. Wow. And, and, and that's like, all of a sudden, it's like, that's it. All I need to do is treat my restoration customers as if they've been the victim of a vicious assault because they have been. They have been. Um, so does that, does, am great, I talking around the issue or is that? No, no, no but, but I, I want you to get more specific. What tactics can our listeners use in, in dealing with these repair clients to give them the comfort that they need? Okay. Very good. Uh, first thing that you've got to do is here's another red letter concept. You give them what we call the illusion of control. See, they don't really want to be in control, but they want to feel like they're in control. For example, okay, 
uh, at the start of every job, and it didn't matter whether we had three people on the job, 10 or 15. We'd line them all up and introduce each and every individual by their first name, their last name, and what they were going to be doing in the home. Tremendous moment of truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me give you another one. Uh, everybody in your company should have a photo ID badge that they wear at all times. Tremendous moment of truth. It makes it very reassuring to the customer. Uh, uniforms, uh, branded vehicles, uh, clean people, grooming standards, those are all no-brainers. Anytime you're moving things, train your people to move things uh, very carefully within sight of the homeowner. And let me share something with you, Cliff. You want something specific? Oh, absolutely. This This is an old tip I got from Marty King so many years ago. In fact, Marty is so smart that when I thanked him for it a few years ago when I saw him, he had forgotten that he had ever taught it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's forgotten more than most of us have ever learned. Absolutely. Because he says, I never knew, I never said that. And I go, yes, you did, Marty. <laughs> um, and this is something that we've branded in strategies, what we call indirect verbal reassurance. So, Cliff, let's say, for example, you and I are going through a uh, water loss, and uh, you start telling me all about you're so worried about this chest. And this chest came over on the Mayflower with the Zlotniks 400 years ago. Mm-hmm. And you're worried about it. Well, you know, I can look at it and go, yeah, yeah, that looks good. I, well, we'll take care of it. You know, kind of blow you off. I can write it down in front of you. That's even better. Best thing is to call a couple of my employees over and in front of you tell them how I want that chest taken care of. Guys, I want this padded. I want it uh, I want it crated. I want it put in my office. I want to give it personal attention. But because of the fact that I am, instead of telling him directly or you directly, I'm now telling two employees in front of you, I am reassuring you indirectly, it's much more credible. And if you don't, if you're alone on the job with the customer, do the same thing. Call your office and give the instructions over your cell phone. Tremendous moment of truth. Any of those make sense to you? All of them. All of them. Very excellent. This has been tremendous. Let me uh, go to another question here. The, um, what kind of tactics can we use to give insurance repair clients uh, the control and the comfort and trust that they want and need when they're dealing with the insurance company. I mean, not necessarily, you know, you just gave us some really good tips, but do we need to sit down and explain to them a little better about what their recourse is, what, you know, what their position is, I guess? Absolutely. Uh, and let me just interject something. We didn't really have time, but I want to mention to you that really, obviously, when you say clients, we have two clients. Uh, we have, obviously, the homeowner, we have the insurance adjuster many times, and we got to make them both happy. And very simply put, um, even though we didn't go deeply into it, the simplest way we found to make the insurance adjuster a cheerleader was to make a cheerleader out of the homeowner. Because if the, the number one emotion that an insurance adjuster has is fear. They're scared of death of their phone ringing. And if I can bring peace to their life, because they turn over, once they turn over the homeowner to me, 
they'll never get another angry call, then they will fight to get me in the job. So I felt like I ought to add that. Now, your question was, okay, what else can we give the homeowner? Well, I think the simplest thing is structure into the job, illusion of control, and helping them visualize right from the get-go what's going to happen. See, this to us is just one more mold job. This is one more water loss. Big deal. They have never had it. Let me give your listeners a simple, easy thing that will pay for their whole time today. One hour. An hour is worth a lot. Okay? Today, get your digital camera out and start shooting pictures. Shoot pictures of your employees, of your trucks, before and after pictures of the loss. Shoot pictures of your, of your clients with their permission. Put them in a high-class album. Nothing fancy uh, like digital or anything. Print them out. Put them in an album. Include uh, different completed customer comment forms, your certifications, etc. Now, when you go on the loss the first time, while you're taking measurements and things, you hand the customer this photo album. You say, let me show you our company. It's an incredibly reassuring thing. Can you see how that would be a really powerful moment of truth? Absolutely. I can. I've got a question going back to Sarah's house, actually, because, you know, when you were in that house and if you're doing the total restoration, how would you handle the fact that as bad as the house looked with all these people traipsing through it and the fact that she felt raped that your company was going to have to rip half the house down, that it was actually going to get worse before it gets better? How do you handle that? Well, first of all, obviously, it's through communication and orientation. And, oh, uh, and I, you know, I just get passionate on this subject. Another way you do that is through illusion of control through paperwork. We actually, excuse me, <clears throat> you guys are having me talk too much. That's um, uh, but I love this stuff. Well, obviously, I teach three days in a row right. uh, at Strategies. You can't do that if you don't love it. But seriously, we came up with something we called a room sheet. And every room had a different sheet. And every sheet on the room had ceiling, walls, floors, windows, cabinets, etc. A whole sheet. And it had restoration notes. And here's the key. This makes uh, Sarah feel a lot better. I have right down the, on the side, as, each t- as a technician finishes a ceiling, they sign it and they date it, then the next column, the supervisor signs and dates, and then the final column is when Sarah gets to pick the clipboard up for that room, and I don't even have to be there. She gets to go through and inspect it, and then she signs off. So consequently, she's a part of the process, and she's being given the illusion of control, and we kept all of those clipboards out for her inspection 24 hours a day. That alone, that made me so many cheerleader homeowners, and therefore it made me cheerleader adjusters that fought to get me on the job. Excellent, excellent uh, advice. Let's go to what we call the roundup here, and uh, what we'd like to do is, if Bill's still on the line, bring him back in as well. Oh, do you have to? (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
All right, Raw Hyde, and we're rounding things up here, and, and it's been fascinating, Steve. I really have enjoyed today's interview. What we like to do at the end is just ask some final questions, and there's a bunch we still haven't gotten to, but let me start with one. Uh, oftentimes, the, the business is a reflection of the owner, and, you know, few business owners are well-rounded. They're generally better at some of the required skills than others. How do you coach business owners to be better at these other skills that are outside of their comfort zone? Well, you know, this I kind of take a little different tact on it, but I'm not sure that people should go out of their comfort zone if they don't want to. That's a great thing about our industry at Strategies. We say, hey, you guys don't have to get big, you, but even if you want to stay small, you better do it right. We're more about doing it right than getting big. A lot of our members get big just because they're doing everything right. But figure out where your comfort zone is and then uh, then build toward it. Um, life is too short to go to work scared, angry, and confused every day. That being said, what I would say is procedures, system, business infrastructure, along with the concept of value-added service, it's going to take you there. And that's how we do it. We give you over a 1,000 pages of business infrastructure already written up for the restoration and um, remediation business. Excellent. And, Bill, whenever you'd like to jump in here, but, Cliff, I know you have one. Yeah. You know, guys, looking back at my own restoration business, it was a series of a steep climb up challenging hills. And then when I got to the top, it would level off and the business would almost go flat. It, what plateaus do many businesses get stuck at and what tactics have you used uh, for pushing these businesses onward and upward? Bill, why don't you do that one? Well, actually, I think the one that would do that one best would be our third instructor, which is Chuck Yolen, because he does a very good graph on the stages of a business. And I think it's what he breaks it down to is when you, you start off as managing yourself, then you manage people, then you have people who manage those people, and I think it's as you go up on each of those steps, I think that's the hardest part because managing yourself is one thing. Managing other people is much more difficult because not everybody does things the way you want them done. And trying to accept that, that you may have to have a little bit of leeway in how people do it by their personality, I think is one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, and you know, Cliff, I would just add to that, um, be really careful about winding up in what I call the road in between. Uh, you can be real successful as a small company, owner-operator, make a good living, have fun in this business, or you can do really well and become wealthy with a large company. Too many people in our business wind up in between, and it's like they have the worst of both worlds. They're too big, but they're too small. So figure out which way you want to go. We're going to be your partners to success and, and help you go whichever way you want. Okay, guys, can you hold on for just an extra minute here? Mm-hmm. All right, great. Before we, uh, before we ask the last couple questions and go into a little announcement on next week's show, let's real quickly just thank our sponsors again. Uh, Legends Environmental Insurance Services, uh, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years at legends-enviro.com. Microband Systems, the microbial management company at microbandsystems.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry, subscriptions and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. 
Dry East Products, providing equipment for drying water-damaged homes and buildings. Dry East is first in drying solutions at dri-eaz.com. And John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at johndon.com. You can click to their links on our website webpage at iaqradio.com, and they're also at the bottom of the show announcement. Please make sure you thank them for their support of IAQ Radio. We also want to make sure that listeners know that IAQ Radio is approved for both IICRC and American IAQ Council renewal credits or continuing education credits, whichever uh, terminology they use. Just email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com. We'll get you a quiz out, and uh, you can get those continuing education credits. Let's get back to uh, Steve Tobirin and Bill Yaden for a couple final thoughts. Okay, Bill. I guess the most uh, important thing is Steve. Let's go with Steve first. Is there anything that we missed that um, you'd still like to touch base on, real quick? Well, I, I think we did great. And incidentally, you guys sound like those the car talk guys when you go over the sponsors. Uh, <laughs> well, all I would say is one thing, and Chuck is an expert at this with strategies. Uh, the vast majority of people, I got to say in any industry that we address, they're not charging enough. They really aren't. And the one thing we want to give people to take back out of strategies is raise your prices. You'll find that most of the time your customers won't even notice. Excellent. And anything, Bill, that you'd like to add? Well, guys, I'd almost like to just real quick comment on, on our economy. I'm, I'm so tired of hearing people saying that business is bad, business is bad. And I think if you look and talk to different customers. Some of them are having their best years others. Others are just having miserable years. I think that gets down to stop worrying about what the economy is doing and stop worrying about your individual customers and your individual companies. Take care of that. The rest of it is out of our control anyway. So go out there and do something for yourself today. Great. Great advice. Thanks for joining us, Bill. Steve, before we go, how can listeners contact you and uh, get a copy of that document you had mentioned earlier or sign up for Strategies for Success? All right. Absolutely. And incidentally, I have probably 12 or 15 different special reports, including one on what I call avoiding the road in between, not being too big or too small. Uh, they can contact me at uh, S. Toburin, uh, S for Steve, T-O-B as in boy, U-R-E-N, at, and it's all one word, homefrontsuccess.com. Um, and uh, if if you you know if you want maybe we could even put it on your site when they come to uh, uh, listen on the archives and uh, I can even put a list of the special reports and they can order any of them they're free of charge or I've got a free DVD I'll send out to no charge great we'd love to do that yeah, yeah really appreciate it well ladies and gentlemen out there looks like we had a really nice group uh, online here today and I know we'll get a lot more downloads uh, we generally do this is uh, Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks so much to Steve Toburin of John Don uh, and also to Bill Yaden of John Don for joining us on today's show. I want to thank my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. It's always a pleasure, Chuck. Great job. You brought in some great guests this week. Of course, the wingman, Chris Boisel, for handling the controls. And uh, most importantly, I want to make sure I say thanks to our growing group of loyal listeners Please come back and join us again next week, uh, Friday at noon, for the next edition of IAQ Radio.
This has been another IAQ Radio production.